It's in the Pacers tonight from the Golden Month Center. Gleason and Draper with you. And you know, Kyle Draper, if I were to put together a Mount Pacermore, I would have <laughs> I would have Reggie Miller. Yep. I would have George McGinnis. Yep. I would have from San Jose State Darnell Hillman. And our next guest would also be on my Mount Pacermore because he's done one, I think, three thousand more than three thousand Pacer wow. games. The great Mark Boyle with us. Hello, sir. See, when you said our next guest would be on there, that I think they thought that you were having. Mark Jackson or right. Mitz. Yeah. Mitz or, yeah. <laughs> oh, but you're too modest. You're, yeah. yeah. Well, Congratulations uh, on your milestone. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, longevity is, I guess, an accomplishment. Uh, I always say this. Uh, forget the actual talent or lack thereof that it requires to do this job. There is a significant amount of talent involved in fooling them for 30 ah, years. Ah, <laughs> right. that, I mean, you can fool them for a week or a month. 36 years, boys, that's well, a long time. Well, well done. What kind of jolt of energy has this Siakam trade sent through the uh, the whole organization? Well, they're excited. It's obviously an upgrade. The guy's a very good player and should fit in nicely with the way they play. So everyone's excited. The fan base is quite excited from what we understand back home. Uh, the players are looking forward to it, and we'll see how it plays out, but there's no reason not to be optimistic. How much do you think, and, and we're hearing, you know, Pascal, you know, wanted to come to Indiana to play with Miles Turner, but how about the Tyrese Halliburton effect? How much do you think that played into it? Well, I can't speak for Pascal Siakam, but on a general level, if I were an NBA player and I had a chance to play with a guy that's going to get me shots that I can make and get me those shots frequently... I'd be in, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I can't speak for him, but I, I can't imagine any player wouldn't want to play with a guy like that because not only can he score, he's more than willing to share, uh, and he's a great teammate. Well, you guys know he's yeah. here. Yep. So, you know, this is not news to anyone around here, but uh, I would assume that virtually any player would like to play with him. Mm -hmm. Mark Boyle is our guest here coming to you from the Golden One Center. Um, it's incredible how that trade you know, it wasn't just a trade that was good for both teams. In some ways, the trade transformed both franchises. And I wanted to ask you about Domas. You have a unique perspective. Why do you think it is that Domas, with the numbers he's putting up, 11 triple doubles, it just seems like he does not get the credit, the attention that he deserves. Why Why do you think that is? you have any idea, having covered him for so long? Not really. Uh, you could throw out some theories. Indianapolis is a small market. The Pacers weren't particularly good when he was there. Sacramento's in the Pacific time zone, yeah, maybe. Uh, but his skills and his accomplishments certainly warrant more attention than he gets. I definitely agree with you on that. And that was a trade that benefited both teams. You didn't need Fox and Halliburton. The Pacers right. didn't need Sabonis and Turner. And so when that trade was made, plus the Pacers got healed, uh, it certainly benefited Indiana, and it appears to me from the outside looking in that it's benefited the Kings also. Yeah, win-win for both sides. You know, when you look at Domas... DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, and Whitey mentioned the numbers, that what they won 43 to 48 games, made the playoffs, but didn't, couldn't get over the hump. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that pairing they wanted to break up or ultimately decided to break up? I think they finally came to the conclusion that Turner's best position is the five, and that's Sabonis' position. Best position, too. So they decided... Now, I don't know what went into that trade with the Kings. I don't know what the conversation consisted of. Maybe the Kings, maybe they were willing to move either one of them. And maybe the Kings insisted on Sabonis. I don't know any of that. Right, but right. 
Uh, I think on a general level, they came to the conclusion that they didn't need both of them. They did need a lead guard. And so they went out in search of a lead guard, and they found one, and that's the, the price yes. that they had to pay. And, and by the way, I, I'm sure the Kings are pleased with the way it worked out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, Fox is terrific, and Sabonis is a nice fit here, and the Pacers are, are quite pleased as well. Yeah, Mark Boyle, our guest here, voice of the uh, Pacers. I know you don't get to see the Kings a lot, but uh, what has impressed you the most about the way they have turned things around since Mike Brown took over as head coach? Well, we know Mike from when he was with the Pacers yeah. as an assistant yep. uh, any number of years ago uh, when Rick Carlisle was there the first time. And so we all think very highly of Mike, and he's demonstrated not just here, but he was successful in Cleveland. He's been with the Lakers. He was a highly esteemed assistant way before any of that. So uh, that's a nice fit. The thing that strikes me from the outside, and I'd be curious as to what you guys can provide on this, with essentially the same team, the Kings are not nearly as good offensively as they were last year. Why is that? I think when you look at the numbers from last year, a guy like Kevin Herter had a career year. He's flattened out. Keegan started off slowly this year. And so I don't think they're shooting the three ball nearly as well. And one number also that stood out, and we talked about this earlier, Mark, they're 25th in fast break points. You got De'Aaron Fox, maybe oh. the fastest guy in the league. And you, you're walking the ball up. You're not playing at the pace that you were last season. And I think they were seventh last year in fast break points. Well, and that upgrades your offense, too, because it's obviously easier to score on the break. Sure. Right. It is yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 I, d I just found that interesting. Yeah. It is. If you had made wholesale <laughs> personnel changes, then okay, I get yeah. it. But right. Yeah. Essentially, essentially the, the same, same guys. Yeah. Guys. Herter was great last year. Yeah. This year he struggled. Uh, Harrison Barnes last year had a really solid year. And this year he's been... Not what he was last year. But to that point, you know, the way offenses are going through the roof. The Kings last year uh, set a record for offensive rating, and right now there's seven teams ahead of that, and your team is one of them. Do you think defense now is not as important to a team that wants to win a lot of games, or is it maybe more valuable because fewer teams are able to play it effectively? It's always going to be valuable, regardless of the sport. Pitching and baseball, goaltending and hockey. They change the rules in football all the time. Defense is still important, even though it's a quarterback-dominated league. And the same in our league. Defense is important, but contextually, I don't know where it ranks in terms of back in the 90s when the Pacers first started running to the conference championships, you had to be good defensively. Right. That, it was paramount. Now I think you have to be okay defensively. Look at Milwaukee. Uh, they're number two in offensive efficiency behind the Pacers. And they're, I haven't looked lately, but they're down around 20 defensively. Right, yeah. And they're still winning at a 60-win mm -hmm. pace. You couldn't be 20th defensively back in the day and win at a 60-win right. pace. So maybe it's not as important, but I still think you have to be at least competent. One of the things Rick Carlisle has talked about with the Pacers lately is this. He made a lineup change, oh, I don't know, by now about a month or so ago. Uh, taking Toppin out of the starting lineup, uh, taking uh, Heald and moving him around, and then they put Neesmith in the starting lineup. They put better defenders on the floor. His theory being that we're good enough offensively that if we just got to be mediocre defensively, and when they went 9-1 and one until losing these last two games, they won 9 out of 10, 
And over that stretch, they were third in the league offensively, not first, third. But 12th defensively, not 27th. Right. So I, I think if you're as good as the Pacers are offensively, you could make a run at something significant if you could get somewhere around the middle of the pack defensively. The parallels between right. these two teams are just we, We've been saying yeah. the same thing all year <laughs> here. Yeah. Sacrifice a little offensively for an improvement defensively. And I want to ask you about Rick Carlisle because if you were to tell me before the season that a Rick Carlisle coach team would be setting the league on fire offensively to the tune of 121 points per game, uh, I might look at you a, a little sideways. How has Rick adapted to the personnel that he has with this year's team? Well, he's just adapted in general. We knew him way back in the late right. 90s when he came as yeah. an assistant. And then after he'd been in Detroit, he was the head coach. And then after that Dallas run, he comes back. So we've seen him three different times. He's always been really sharp offensively. When he came in 97, Larry Bird was the coach, and we had two assistants, and that was it. Carlisle was in charge of the offense, and Dick Carter was in <laughs> yeah. charge of the defense. So he's always had a knack offensively. Uh, and one of the things that really impresses me about Rick is the way he's adapted, just in general, but specifically, if you were to go back and watch old videos of when he coached the Pacers back in the early O's or the Pistons before that, and even in his early years in Dallas, he was up calling every play off the bench. Right, right. Hmm. Now he puts the ball in Halliburton's hands and says, you know what to do with it. He'll still call the occasional play, but yeah. wow. he lets the players yeah. demonstrate their skills in a running game, and we have the personnel in Indiana to do that. Yep. So uh, he's taken his hands off the reins a little bit. He's adapted to the modern player. Uh, and, you know, adaptation is the key in anything, is it not? Yeah. Uh, even if you were at the same level in terms of expertise, but you did not have the ability to connect with the modern-day player, yeah. you would have serious issues. And Rick has gone out of his way. You know, he's not out hanging with the guys or anything, but uh, he connects and communicates much better than he did when he was here the first time. You know, one thing about Rick that, you know, blew my mind, this is uh, 10 years ago or so, I was in Boston, he was on the floor pregame working out the players. Does he still do that, or maybe not as much anymore? He doesn't do it like he used yeah. to. He did when he was the head coach the first time right, uh, right. back in the early O's and into the mid-O's. Yeah, he was out there. Wow. He was out there in his, in his sweats. In his and, sweats, yeah. yeah. He doesn't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, but keep in mind, when he was here uh, last time, he was whatever, 43, 44. Right. Oh, right. right. <laughs> so, you know, he's probably not doing a lot of things he used to do back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Boyle, our guest here, voice of the Pacers. We're um, in Sacramento envious of your franchise in a couple of ways. One, as we discussed, you guys got Siakam. The Kings wanted him. And, you know, we may now say, oh, it's no big deal. We were really excited about the in-season tournament. And then, you know, the Pelicans came along and ruined those hopes. What did it mean? Maybe it didn't mean anything. I'm not assuming it did, but what did it do for this young franchise to get as far as you guys did in this first year of the in-season tournament? I don't know that it did much for the franchise per se, but it certainly, I think, did something for the team, uh, the team being different than the franchise. Sure. Uh, the fans were excited, but that's come and gone now, and, and we're back into a more normal mindset. But these younger guys really seem to be into it. I was a little surprised. I... Uh, I don't know what you guys thought of it. I was skeptical at first. It's obviously a success. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit too gimmicky for me. I'll never be 100% on board, but it's obvious that it benefited the league. The players were into it far more than I thought they yeah, would be. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's been a success. And it helped this team. This is a team that really hasn't done anything. Uh, last year was another non-playoff year, the third in a row. And so they're trying to get to a place where they're more competitive, 
uh, eventually hoping to become a contender again, as they have been uh, any number of times over the years. But the younger guys were really excited by it, and I think they had fun with it. Mm. Mark Boyle, play-by-play -play announcer for the Indiana Pacers, joining the drive guys. Mark, you know, when you look at Tyrese Halliburton, it's coming up on almost two years since that trade. Could you instantly tell that he could be a face of a franchise when he arrived to Indiana. Describe what you learned from Tyrese early on about who he is and, and his trajectory here, now an all-star, about to be a two-time all-star. Uh, the short answer to that question, at least from my perspective, is no, I couldn't see that right away. I could see he was a good player. Yeah. We already knew that, having seen him play with the Kings. But to have emerged in such a dramatic way, especially this season, yeah. He was there for that half season, or not even half season, whatever it was. And then the, all of last season, uh, once they saw him for a whole season, saw how he interacted with his teammates, saw what he could do, uh, I think they became more excited than even when they traded for him. Uh, and if anyone tells you that they thought he could be this good, he's still, it seems to me, getting better. Right. Uh, then they're far more observant than I am. I, I knew he was a good player, but I didn't see this coming at all, no. Yeah. Did, um, you, did you? No. No, we were just talking about it earlier. Like, when we made this trade, like, Tyrese at the time of the trade was nowhere near this Tyrese. He was still, you know, in his second gear, still trying to learn things, trying to figure it he out. He was beloved here. He I was loved. Like, but he, people yeah. loved his yeah, energy and his yeah. passion he played with and smile. But we didn't know yeah. he could be, you know, a 23 guy and 12 and a half assists and, you know, third in, in, in terms of all-star voting among guards mm -hmm. around across both conferences. Yeah. Like, his popularity has skyrocketed. And I think the in-season tournament did a lot for him in that regard because the Pacers almost never play on national television. Yeah. Right, right. So now they're in Vegas, and they're in the semifinals, and they're playing a team that recently won a championship. They win that game, and then they're playing the Lakers. Uh, and I think that did a lot for his popularity. Uh, we noticed that right away after uh, we went to, was it Memphis? It doesn't really matter. We went somewhere, a place where typically you walk out of the hotel and get on the bus and right. there's nobody there. Yeah. There were like 20 kids standing outside. There. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They had that wasn't Alibur for you? <laughs> no, there were 20 older women there for me. In their, <laughs> right, in right. their 90s. Wow. I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, but, uh, you know, the other thing about it is, I'm sure you guys know this, he was a combination of crushed and angry when he got yeah, to Indiana. Sure. And he quickly got over that, realized what an opportunity he had. Because had he stayed here, his I believe this, and this is not a, a reflection on the coaching staff or the franchise or De'Aaron Fox, had he stayed here, his development would have been retarded at least to a degree yeah. because now he's the guy with the ball all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has accelerated, I think, his development. And he might still have... I don't know, another year, two, three, while he's, yeah. where he's still getting better and not yet reaching his peak. Yeah, well, he's not available tonight, and with the Siakam trade, you guys are kind of shorthanded, so what kind of roster challenges does Rick Carlisle face tonight against the Kings? Well, it's uh, significant because of that, and then two guys that would have played, Brown and uh, Wara, are in Toronto yeah. now. Neesmith is out, so he'll be scrambling. Uh, he's at an obvious disadvantage and I'm not sure how they'll use the personnel. But you might see guys that don't normally play getting some time. Ben Shepard, for example, might play a bit. Uh, guys that occasionally get in. Oscar Sheebway, who never plays unless yep. it's a blowout. Uh, uh, the number one draft choice they've given some time to lately. 
Uh, Walker, they like him. I'm sure he'll play tonight. But without their full complement, this is definitely a situation that's advantageous as far as the Kings are concerned. Mark, before I let you go, uh, you've been a Pacers announcer for... 3,000 games? How many games? 3,000 years. 3,000, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you. You've been to conference finals. You've yes, uh, called yes. Hall of Famers. Yep. Give me uh, just one of your favorite Pacers <laughs> memories. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that is that is a really good one. We've had uh, any number over yeah. the years. Uh, probably, if, if I had to pick one, it would be Game 5, 1995, Eastern Conference uh, semifinals against the Knicks. Uh, Knicks dominating, Pacers down, I forgot, 8, 10 eight, going to the fourth was, quarter, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, and Reggie Miller scored uh, 25 points in the quarter. Yeah. Another time, defeat seemed imminent. He scored eight points in nine like, seconds. Yeah, at the sure. end. So uh, many of, of, if, of the memories that I think fans would cite for sure involve right. Miller. Um, now, in, in recent, I'll tell you this recently, the, uh, the game that put the Pacers in Vegas, uh, yeah. In Indianapolis mm. against Boston. Boston, yeah. Uh, that's as loud as I've ever heard it in our building, and that includes a trip to the NBA Finals. The really? Fans what? were really, wow. yeah. The fans were into it. It was electric. The players were into it. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool experience, also. Wow. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I know you do a lot of these, and you wouldn't remember, but you've been so kind to us over the years. I remember talking to you right after the Malice in the Palace. I remember talking to you about, you know, piranha fishing, and you've ah. always been uh, so generous with your time. We appreciate it. Great catching up with you. Have a great call tonight. We hope to talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having yeah. me, Mark. Uh, the so great much, Mark Boyle. Uh, let's take a real quick timeout. We'll come back, wrap things up here from the Golden One Center. Oh, we're oh, gonna we keep it going. going. All right, keep it going here, yep, Jay. Yep. Yeah, right, thanks, thank you, Mark. Mark. We appreciate that. So, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton uh, making his mark in uh, Indiana, he and is. finally, apparently, coming to terms with the fact that you know what, you're probably all things considered better off. There. Yeah, better off. And uh, you know, the the thing that Mark said that you know I, I think is a lesson in, in not just basketball life, but life in general, that spoke to me when he said. Tyrese was angry and hurt yeah. about the trade, but he was able to get over that, get through that, and then power on and soldier on. And now look at him. I mentioned it earlier. NBA uh, All-Star voting came out the mm -hmm. third round. Tyrese Halliburton, first among guards in the Eastern Conference, but third overall among all guards behind Steph and Luka. This guy's popularity is off the charts. Yes, Yes, and nobody saw that coming. Yes. Probably he didn't even see it coming. Right, yeah. right. And But you know what? It couldn't happen to a better guy, a, a, a guy that, you know, the Pacers are fortunate to have, represents your franchise in a great light. Fans uh, are attracted to him. Teammates seem to love him as well. Yeah. Think about it. Pascal Siakam. I know we've talked about he's excited to play with Miles Turner, but I got to believe, like Mark said, the fact that you have Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that can set the table for you, make your selfless life leader. selfless yeah. leader, that has to be attractive. Mm -hmm. Who is good at it, shares the ball and is good at it. And is good Who at it. For that? Yeah. You know, yeah. think about this, Whitey. When Tyrese was here, how many alley-oops and lobs did Rashawn Holmes get? Remember that one-two combination? They, they had some good chemistry going. Tyrese leaves Rashawn Holmes. His game falls off a cliff here in Sacramento. And so, no, he's a, he's a guy that players enjoy playing with. Uh, you're on the call tonight, right? Play-by-play? Play? Yeah, I'm excited, Sports man. Sports California? Yeah, back at it again tonight. Uh, big game. Got to get a win. 
Uh, my guy Kevin Herter is warming up right now. He's nice. out of his slump, has looked good over the last two games. and mm-hmm. So uh, it's a big one tonight. Yeah, so uh, we're back with you tomorrow. Uh, we'll be breaking down, hopefully, a Kings win, and uh, we'll be uh, – Finishing up our preparations for the 49ers and your beloved yes, Packers. Yes, my Packers. Yeah. Go, Pack, go. <laughs> That's what we do out there. That's what we do. Uh, stick around for game night. Uh, the high flyer. Uh, high flyer's uh, former teammate. He, he's getting talking honored Mitch tonight. Richmond right now. Yeah, yeah, how about that? Yeah, and Scott Marsh as well. Game night next year as we get ready for the Kings and the Pacers on Sacktown Sports.